This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us on another podcast. This is the Retire Happy Podcast, after all, teaching you about holistic retirement planning. Walter Sorholt here alongside John Amarino, fiduciary financial advisor in the San Diego area at Securus Financial. You can find out all about John and the team at gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. We've got a great podcast on the way today. We're going to be talking a little bit about five simple retirement questions that are simple on their face, but actually kind of hard to answer. So we're going to dive into that in a couple of moments. We're also going to field a great question from Arnold about a stretch IRA and what in the world is that and is it a strategy worth considering? And actually, stretch IRAs were in the news lately. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. All that more straight ahead. But first, let's introduce you to the voice of the podcast. He is John Amarino. And hey, John, how you doing this week? I am awesome. I am awesome. How are you, Walter? That's good. You know, everybody else says I'm great or I'm good. You are, you're saying you're awesome, so that's good. It, it's a great week. It is a great week, so I can't complain. When Life you, is good. When you call your podcast the Retire Happy Podcast, I mean, you've got to always keep a pretty positive outlook on things, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's awesome because a lot of my retiree clients share their lives with me. And you know, just this week, I, I saw a couple of phenomenal photos of people, you know, in the South Pacific and Europe. And uh, I loved what I do. And I love to see my clients or my extended family, as I call them, happy. So yeah, life is good. Definitely and blessed. I know you're a big traveler. And so you probably attract clients who also like to travel. I imagine that you guys enjoy swapping stories when you meet and talking about all of the adventures that people have planned and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was just talking to one of my clients who went to Australia and they were talking and they were giving us the complete route and all the unbelievable things they saw. And, you know, I've never been to Australia and I was, I was taking some notes. I'm like, all right, I definitely want to do that and that. So yeah, it's always good to, to be able to hear it. And, you know, having some of the clients that have done some really amazing things, you know, I, I think the collective of my clients, there's, you know, maybe Antarctica and Mount Everest is probably the only place that <laughs> I haven't heard someplace, you know, where, where some of my clients have traveled. So it's really cool to get a, a perspective on the world from other people's eyes. My uh, grandparents did do Antarctica. It was part of a cruise all the way from, I think, Miami down to Antarctica. It was like a, over a month-long cruise where they stopped all three different areas of South America on their way down there. It was a pretty wild vacation for them. But yeah, Mount Everest, I actually was just in the news not too long ago for having, uh, there's now having traffic jams at the top of Mount Everest. So many people are beginning to summit it that they're now getting to that very final step and there's a traffic jam. You have to wait your turn to to go up to the top now. And they're saying it's creating a big hazard and dangerous problem and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, yeah, you know. And I heard the same thing. It's I always I use Mount Everest as a great parallel to retirement. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, there was a hiker that made it to the summit. He made it up the accumulation phase of that mountain, but died on the way down. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I saw that too. That they just had a line. That's right. <laughs> of, of hikers just sitting there, you know, waiting their turn to get up to the summit. That's crazy. It's like going to the uh, the famous local deli where the line's out the door is what that uh, picture reminded me of there. So, well, if you've got any travel plans or any retirement plans yourself, listen up because we're going to cover some important things on today's podcast. You know, retirement really boils down to simple questions 
that because of our situations and because we're all unique and different, they're kind of hard to answer because we can't just say, oh, this is the way it's done for everybody. There's going to be some things that are great for you and terrible for the next person to walk through the door and vice versa. And that's why some of retirement planning's most important questions seem simple at first, as if they could be answered in four or five words, when actually there is no yes or no answer. The tricky part is that it can become overwhelming to answer some of these questions if you don't have a good plan or aren't getting good guidance along the way. So we're going to cover five simple retirement questions today that are indeed hard to answer. And the first one, John Amarino, is deciding when to take your social security. When should I take it? It's a quick question to ask, a little bit more in depth to answer that one. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this in one of our last podcasts that we made mention about summer vacation. And I joke, but this is serious. More people spend more time planning their summer vacations than claiming social security or, or developing a strategy to claim social security. And, you know, deciding when to take Social Security, this is a very individual, personalized decision. This is not something where you can just listen to a pundit or even a friend on when to claim. Everybody's scenario is different. And, you know, yes, I have a lot of engineer clients. They love their deltas, their break-even points. And, you know, they love looking at the max benefits. But you also have to really look at the survivorship. You know, if you claim early or delay, that's going to have a big difference in what you leave to your surviving spouse. And, you know, one other thing you have to consider is taxes. Uh, we preach a lot about advanced tax planning in my office and efficient being efficient. And, uh, you know, if you claim Social Security earlier than you really need to do, you can handicap yourself with advanced tax planning. So claiming Social Security it's not an easy task. You really do have to look at all different points. And, you know, kind of like we were also talking in our last podcast about having a checklist. You got to have the checklist of things that are uh, concerns to you. And, you know, whether delaying or claiming Social Security early can alleviate those. Well, I think it's a really important question to ask. Even though these days we aren't relying on Social Security to be the end-all, be-all of our retirement plans, it can still play an important role, which is why that is a great question to spend some time answering. Another thing that might seem so easy is, you know, how can I get a diversified portfolio? You know, that diversification buzzword kind of rearing its head once again sounds like a simple question. You know, hey, I just want to diversify. Why is it a little bit harder to answer that question for most people? Because I think most people's idea of diversification differs greatly. And, you know, for a lot of people, they may think that having 30 different stocks in the S&P 500 is diversifying, right? You know, oh, I've got all these different companies, so I'm diversified. Well, you could do that with one mutual fund or one ETF. So I think, you know, it all depends on the experience. I think uh, a lot of people out there, you know, also think that just having a 60-40 portfolio, stocks and bonds is properly diversified. And you really got to expand your thinking. You know, you have to diversify perhaps a amongst tax buckets you have to diversify amongst income buckets you know do you have do you have a bucket for short-term money maybe a bucket for long-term money and your investments are they globally diversified 
and you have several different asset classes. That's one thing that we specialize in is that we put together very broad, diversified portfolios. And, and oftentimes, a lot of people realize that their portfolios aren't as well diversified as they thought. And a lot of their investments are, are correlated, which means that if one, one of those investments drops, so will the others. And, you know, one of the fundamentals to a proper investment plan is be well diversified. So I think a lot of people don't truly grasp or, or have the correct understanding of what it is to be truly diversified. It's a great point. If our definitions of the subject start differing right out of the gate like that, it's going to make the end part of the process even you know more widely spread out. So that's a good one to throw into the list here of these five simple retirement questions that are harder to answer. A third one, John, would be uh, picking funds in your 401k. Which are the right funds to pick? Seems like it should be a simple response to that question. Is, does it get more complicated? I think that's probably one of the most complicated scenarios that we've talked about because if you have your own 401k and you're not a financial expert, right? You're busy doing your own industry expertise and your own job. You know, the 401k is always for a lot of people a side project that they have to work on. And they honestly, a lot of people don't put a lot of effort into it. And they often go into target date funds because they'll, that's, probably just the easiest where it's a set it and forget it. I think a lot of people with their 401ks like to be set it and forget it. But you know, how how well do you know what you're invested in? And I'll tell you a lot of 401ks that I've seen out there, they have very high expense funds and you know, your average investor is not going to know that they're potentially invested in a fund that's when you put all your administrative fees together and that fund their their expenses are north of 2%. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. And you really don't probably have the tools to analyze how those investments are going to do in good and bad situations. And, and you're, you're really at the mercy of the plan administrator and maybe their dozen or two dozen investments. So that, that one's tip, a, a very difficult one. You know, and, and we even have some partnership firms that manage 401ks for our clients. So they don't have to worry about that. And I think some of our clients like that because, again, they realize that this is still important money to them, but now they don't have to worry about taking on all the risk or taking on all the responsibility of making good financial decisions there. Well, it's not surprising that something revolving around 401ks, you would describe it as maybe the most complicated piece of the puzzle or one of the more complicated or harder questions to answer because it's on the list twice here. And when it comes to our five simple retirement questions, the uh, fourth example also has to do with 401ks, but this is when it comes down to doing a 401k rollover. And simply, maybe our shortest question of the day, should I? And it unfortunately, sounds like a yes or no question. It often is tougher to boil it down to that point. Right. And I always tell people, it's my professional opinion that, yes, you should always do a 401k rollover into an IRA. And there is a question on this later on. But first of all, the 401k may not offer the stretch option. And the stretch option allows your beneficiaries to stretch that money out over their lifetime instead of having to take all the money that they've inherited in that retirement account in five years, which could, you know, essentially make the IRS the biggest beneficiary of your IRA or your 401k. 
the second big reason is your IRA, you have a universe of investment options that you can invest in your IRA where your 401k you're limited to. You also have the ability to get, you know, a financial advisor and, and professional advice if you're rolling the money over in an IRA. And when it comes to required minimum distributions that you're going to have to take at 70 and a half, the IRA can definitely be a lot more efficient because you can take, if you have multiple IRAs, you can take a distribution from one of those IRAs and it'll satisfy the other IRAs. So you may only need to take one distribution, which is a good thing because it makes for less chance of errors. And you do not want to have an error when it comes to an RMD. And if you do have a 401k or if God forbid you have multiple 401ks when it comes to the RMD, you have to take distributions from each one of those 401ks, which can lead to the possibility of an error happening and potentially a 50% excise tax. And last but not least, I will say this, that you have to be very careful when you're rolling over a 401k that you're doing what's called a trustee to trustee or a direct transfer. It's preferred to have the money made out to the custodian that is taking that IRA. So if you're moving that money from a company plan, you want that money made out to the custodian of your IRA. You do not want that money made out to you because you may have some serious issues in terms of you have 60 days to roll that money over and you may have withholding. And if you don't, then you have a huge tax time bomb. So the easiest route is to just simply transfer that money directly over to the next custodian of the IRA, have the checks made out to that custodian for the benefit of you. So that's the biggest thing that you do have to be aware of when you are rolling over a 401k. There are definitely some wrong turns you can take there, and they're easy wrong turns. It's not like you've got to do a lot of wrong steps in a row. It's very easy to mess up there if you're not careful. So make sure you're just uh, – that's a, actually a good one that it's a hard question to answer because you should put some time into it to make sure you make the right choices there. So very, very important. Last but not least, the fifth simple retirement question that is actually kind of hard to answer is addressing the cost – of a nursing home stay. How do we address that cost, John? Well, this is a topic where I find a lot of people don't want to address, right? Because no one wants to envision themselves in a nursing facility or an assisted living, right? The biggest thing I, I always ask people is, and when I teach a full retirement uh, risks class, I'd ask people, who in here has a plan for long-term care? And usually about, if I have a room of 20 or 30 people, I'll get two to three hands. And those, you know, those are the people that have the traditional long-term care insurance. And I'll have everyone else in the, the room raise their hand. And I said, you guys got it wrong. Everybody in this room has a plan for long-term care. The 27 other people that just raised their hands, you just chose the most expensive route. And that is private pay. And you have to realize that, you know, especially here in Southern California, you know, an assisted living or skilled nursing facility with a semi-private room can easily cost you, you know, over $75,000 a year. And the cost of long-term care is going up at a rate double that of inflation. So really the biggest question that you have to ask yourself is not whether you believe you're going to be in the facility or not. It's just simply how much of that responsibility do you want? 
if it does happen and my wife is a director at a skilled nursing and assisted living facility so i'm acutely aware of all the issues people have especially when it comes to semi-private rooms let me tell you that's a lot of the fire she's putting out at work but you know today's uh, long-term care patient is not always the 80 year old patient yeah 40 year old people that were in just bad car accidents and you know they have to spend five or six months in a skilled nursing facility and and then another six or seven months in an assisted living just rehabbing so you can have stuff like that that you know yeah a lot of it we base on our health but you can have a tragic incident that could drive you into a skilled nursing facility and assist a living facility or even home health and home health is not cheap so it really comes back to the who's going to pay for it and how much do you want to pay for it and how much do you want a uh, insurance company to pay and you know in the end that's something that you have to take seriously because statistically they state that seven out of ten people age 65 and above will have some type of long-term care event and that that's a pretty high high number there so you know you have to decide are you able to incapable of paying maybe close to a hundred thousand dollars a year for you or a loved one and you know make no doubt about it long-term care insurance it may be on you, but it is not for you. It is for your spouse and it is for your children because while you are dealing with the physical and maybe mental issues, you know, such as Alzheimer's, they are dealing with having to care for you. And that is not a, you know, once a day, couple times a week job. That is a 24 hour a day, 365 day a year job. So that's my take on long-term care. Well, all of these questions from long-term care to deciding on Social Security and diversification and 401ks, all of these are seemingly simple retirement questions, but as you can see, have some nuanced answers to them. And that's why it's so important to get a review of your financial plan with a professional, with somebody who does this for a living, who each and every single day is seeing tons and tons of different situations that they can help people kind of address what's important to you. It dictates something a little bit different about how to handle your plan versus another person. So it's really important to be thinking about these kinds of things. If you want to get in touch with John Amarino and talk about this, you can certainly do that. 858-935-6210 is your number to call. That's 858-935-6210. You can also find John online at gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. That's where you can find links to subscribe to the podcast. They're on the website on uh, whatever your favorite platform is. Just look for the Retire Happy Podcast and you should be able to find that on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Well, that's the five simple retirement questions, but we're not done yet on the podcast. It's time to get to know John a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. So a fun question this week, John, as we look back to, uh, you mentioned it was either earlier in this podcast or maybe the previous one about how you have uh, kind of reached that nine-year mark of marriage, approaching your 10-year milestone. So let's take a minute and look back a little bit to that wedding day. Of the groomsmen who were in your wedding, how many of them are significantly involved still in your life today? Every one of them. Really? That's I would say that's probably pretty rare. Yeah. And I had six. So Wow. And that's pretty you know, big. Yeah. My wife and I are blessed to have a very, very good core group of friends 
you know, and we may not see each other as much as we used to when we were, you know, single or even just married. But, you know, we're going on, my wife and I were married on 10, 10, 10. So uh, we're going on nine years this year. It's easy and, to remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we're lucky that if we're not seeing each other, then at least we're, you know, on a group text or giving each other a phone call every, every now and then. And very, very close knit group of people, great guys. I'd do anything for them. And, you know, now about half of us have kids. So, you know, we get to see each other, you know, at the birthday parties or whatnot, or, you know, I'm having one of my, my good buddies over, we're going to barbecue this Sunday. So he'll bring his son over and we'll hang out, but yeah, all of them. So very blessed, very blessed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, um, I would probably be in that same group now. I'm only, uh, uh Oh, I should have thought this before I opened my mouth. We are approaching, Oh, no, is this your five years? Hold on, let me do math. Uh, yeah, so this will be our fifth year, five-year anniversary coming up later this year. So, boy, it's amazing how time flies. And, yeah, I think I'm still, I would still say all are, you know, maybe not all significantly involved, but all still, uh, you know, relatively and very much part of, of life. So it is nice when that is the case. I know it's not like that for everybody. So cool. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with us today. Now, I only had four, and one of them was my dad. So, you know, that one was kind of a lock there. But <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, I'm batting okay on the others, it sounds like. Very cool. Well, before we wrap up for the week, we've got one more important part of the show. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. to answer a great question to wrap things up this week from Arnold. And Arnold says, a financial advisor once told me, John, to consider doing a stretch IRA. But I heard a few weeks ago that the new decisions from Congress might end this option. Can you shed any light on that strategy in the first place? And is it going to be around anymore? Oh, the stretch IRA is a very powerful tool, especially when it goes on to passing wealth to your beneficiaries and simply not making the IRS your biggest beneficiary. So the stretch IRA is if you have an IRA, it can qualify for any uh, a lot of qualified retirement plans, but typically IRAs are the most efficient way to do it. And what this means is that if you were to pass, your retirement money hasn't been taxed yet. So you're going to pass that tax bill onto your kids. So if you left $500,000 to your child and perhaps you just had that money in a 401k and the company plan was not going to allow for a stretch provision, then they would have to take that money out in five years. They could either take it out in a lump sum or $100,000 a year for five years. But either way, that account has to be drained in five years. So what does that mean? Well, let's say your child's making $200,000 a year. They're successful and they're just going to take $100,000 every year to kind of, you know, stretch out that tax burden. Well, what you did is you just gave them a $300,000 salary for that year. So all they're going to be taxed at that rate. So essentially the IRS is going to get a large sum of your 401k money there. What the stretch IRA is, is if you have an IRA and you have to list a, 
what's called the designated beneficiary or a living person as your beneficiary on your document. And that allows them to stretch the payments out over their life expectancy. So if they have $500,000 a year and they're in their 30s or 40s, they may only have to take out a couple thousand dollars a year. And that is what they're required. So that's that's the key. That's what they're required. Could they be foolish? And many people who do inherit sums of money do spend that money rather quickly. They have the option to take out 100000 if they want, but they're only required by the government to take out a small portion. So A, that allows them to control their tax bill. But even more importantly, that allows them to keep that money growing. And you could literally take a $500,000 windfall. And if they just took out their RMDs every year, maybe a couple thousand dollars here and there to go on vacation, you could actually stretch that money out and turn that $500,000 into a multi-million dollar windfall. And, you know, for a lot of people, I think, you know, there's a good number of people out there that don't ever want to be forgotten, right? They want to leave their legacy. And if they leave their kids something, they want their kids to remember them. Well, if you left them a 401k, chances are, you know, your money is going to be forgotten after five years where that IRA could go on for their life. And it's really a powerful legacy tool. You know, in regards to will the IRA get phased out, there's been a, a lot of talk about the IRAs being eliminated. You know, our government is a special, special breed of people. And, you know, the best thing you can do is plan for the stretch IRA to continue. And if it does go away, then you're most likely just going to get put into the five-year rule, just like a company plan. So, you know, while the law is the law, utilize the stretch IRA. And one other key planning topic, do not, unless your trust is properly structured as a see-through trust, do not leave your trust as the primary beneficiary or contingent beneficiary of your IRA because it's not a designated beneficiary. And therefore, you may be forced into the five-year rule. But, you know, while the law is still there, utilize it. And, you know, to me, the worst case scenario, if they got rid of the stretch IRA, then it's just like the five-year period that most other qualified plans have to follow. It's pretty funny, right? As you start getting this whole financial planning thing figured out, Arnold, they change it, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right when you think you've got them right where you want them, something changes. Isn't that uh, just a microcosm of life right there? As soon as you get it figured out, something changes and, and knocks you off your path, but that's okay. We uh, are able to adapt and change should those things occur. But it's a great question, and uh, it's a kind of question that shows us that you're obviously well-informed about things going on in the financial world, and that's never a bad thing to be educated about some of these things. So great question. We thank you for asking that one to us. Uh, if you've got a question for John, you want to ask it on the podcast, or you can certainly just ask him one-on-one -on -one your question as well. You can go to gosecurus.com, look for the contact button there on the page, gosecurus.com, or you can call 858-935-6210 and set up time to meet or talk to John in a one-on-one -on -one fashion to ask your questions. 858-935-6210, that number as well. John, thanks for all the help on today's program. Lots of fun, as always, chatting with you, and we'll talk again soon. All right, Walter. You have a great one. For John, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here. Be sure to join us on the Retire Happy Podcast.
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.